Hello, and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 183. My name is John. With me is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Good mid-early afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> what mid-day. even time is it? <laughs> this is mid-day. a weird time for us to be recording. It's midday. It's Memorial Day. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So uh, while you all are are um, grilling and, uh, and, and relaxing and enjoying uh, your Memorial Day, we are... Uh, also relaxing and just talking yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, this is how I choose to enjoy my Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great way to spend the Memorial Day. So we're going to talk um, about a couple of uh, recent Star Wars news stories, some High Republic stuff, some sequel trilogy stuff. And uh, then, of course, we'll we'll look at the Bad Batch Episode 5 Rampage as well. So, mm. yeah, that's our rundown for the show. Um we are uh, we're actually going to kick it off with some High Republic news, but you know what? Actually, uh, Ryan, before we mm-hmm. get into that, mm-hmm. I'm just going to mention my Star Wars news. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, which is that I got my uh, my retro Quill uh, figure in the mail yesterday. Yeah. So uh, I I have one of these retro Mandalorian figures uh, in my hand right now, and uh, I like it. It looks pretty good. He's a little guy, obviously, because he's mm-hmm. an Ugnat. Um. And so it has, uh, I think because it's smaller like that, it almost has like a little bit of like a, oh, I don't know, not Lego, like a play school kind of feel and look to it, mm. almost, you know, it's like really mm-hmm. simple and everything. Um, but of course it does, uh, it does evoke retro vibes as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with, with this little guy, pretty happy with this figure. And, um, I wasn't supposed to get him until July, but he's here now. So I'm just curious to see when the rest of these uh, retro Mando figures will start uh, shipping out to everybody in general. But uh, of course, to me specifically is what I'm really interested in. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Likewise. We'll uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, did, do they have any uh, retro figures announced past this line? Uh, not th- no, I don't think so. Not that okay. I know of. Because these seem like they've been pretty popular, um, you know, the the previous ones they've done, um, you know, with the, the Empire Strikes Back ones and everything. I assume this Mando wave will be popular. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just any three and three quarter inch figures we can get, um, I'm happy with. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting mine in the mail. Yeah, I would, I would love to see them continue the line, but I'm, I'm far more interested in this approach, which is, um, you know, new characters that have never been done in this style before, Mm. um, you know, than like the, the star Wars and I guess empire, um, versions of this that they did where it's basically just a reproduction of a toy that already exists, you know, like a retro toy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That's cool too. But uh, it's 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 I think this is really interesting is to make new figures this way. Right. And uh, I can't remember what is the retail on these nine ninety nine. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is that's my ceiling right there where uh, Mm. it's my ceiling for like feeling good about it anyway. You know, yeah, not saying I don't spend more money than that on on a three and three quarter inch toy Mm because sometimes I do. Actually, I'm looking at uh, what, four or five uh, Mandalorian vintage collection figures uh, to my left here. So. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I do spend more than that on these figures, uh, a lot of times, but I, I like that nine ninety nine 
price tag, you know, feels good. It feels pretty good. So yeah, I mm-hmm. would, uh, I'd be thrilled if we got uh, a Ray and a Kylo Ren and, you know, like who knows what else, uh, prequel figures in this style, all kinds of stuff would be really mm-hmm. cool. So we'll see. Hopefully that's, uh, that's something that they're going to, they're going to look at doing, but cause I mean, these are five POA. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, this is like really five POA, this cool wheel, you know what I mean? It's, so, yeah. it's just like a big chunk of plastic. You know what I mean? Like it's gotta be, I would think pretty inexpensive in terms of the, the, the process, the tooling process and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. paint apps are way, it's just much more simple than, um, you know, even like a vintage collection figure, you know, I'm looking at the, uh, reef carga to my left here from the vintage collection and mm-hmm. it's intricate. You know what I mean? It's like, it looks, uh, really, really good. And, uh, yeah, I just have to have to think that, um, pushing out these vintage style figures would be just a lot cheaper, you know, and maybe they could pass those savings on to us. I mean, they are so far, I guess. So, um, that would be cool, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Hey, I think you bought some star Wars toys this weekend too, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, yeah, we had, uh, a friend, uh, visiting from out of town and so we kind of took her to, you know, some of our, some of our favorite, places around here like the mile high comics warehouse and uh this cool uh books bookstore record store downtown um called mutiny um and uh yeah both uh both of those uh stores had um really kind of upped their uh you know their amount of star wars figures for sale since the last time um i'd gone and so like a highlight at mile high was um and this goes back to the we were talking about this uh when brandon from talking bay was on um about the the gendy clone wars figures um they had uh gotten in a complete set of those um and had them uh had them all for sale and I had a few of them already, but uh, I was able to get a dirge finally, um, which is, uh, you know, it's it's a little beyond what I generally pay um, for three and three quarter inch figures. But it's also like, you know, this was a very unique style of figure at a very unique time. It probably isn't going to get like a reprint Um anytime soon i mean never say never but mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be on the horizon anytime soon so i was okay kind of paying a premium for it um right. and then uh then i just did my usual uh you know power of the force to uh episode one uh shadows of the empire runs and grabbed a bunch of five dollar figures there um filling in some more gaps there um mm-hmm. as i more often do um with uh you know buying at local shops um so that was cool definitely added some uh, cool fun things to my shelf um and then um Lindsay and her friend uh yesterday went to another store um in denver it's one i'd never been to before um called 5280s um, and the 5280 is like the, the elevation of 
Denver, um, mm. Mile High City, etc. Um, mm. But it's like 52 80s, and it's a store that deals exclusively in like 80s memorabilia. So, um, and like 80s adjacent, I guess. <laughs> um, but you know that kind of that kind of style. So, like they have a bunch of like, you know, Lindsay was showing me pictures and stuff that they had like, hey, here's um, you know, like 80s uh, WWF figures. Um, like that sort of thing. Here's like concert posters, whatever. But then naturally they had like a huge Star Wars area. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, she was like taking pictures of like the stuff here. And there was like some uh, some pretty cool stuff um, in there. There uh, just like some of the, um, you know, books and records and uh trading cards and like all kinds of stuff so um yeah she ended up picking up for me a uh bib fortuna figure um from uh return of the jedi so in 1983 kenner bib fortuna Um, That's that's a timely pickup right now too it is we'll have more about bib fortuna later in the episode (laughs) um and then a uh, a book and a seven inch, uh, like a kid's storybook, and uh, with the seven inch record, and uh, yeah, the um, the book and the record were in pretty good shape um, from the mid eighties. It's uh, called uh, Droid World: um, <laughs> uh, The Further Adventures. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with? Uh, this uh this particular no, children's book no i was gonna say the uh the picture book with um with a 45 you know record uh, is something you see a lot um mm-hmm. i think usually like either the story of the movie or um you know like a i don't know there's a couple others too that are I think like droid centric or Ewok centric, maybe that aren't, you know, straight retellings of the movies, but uh, yeah, those are pretty common, but I'm not familiar with the droid world one specifically. I don't think I'd Mm -hmm. seen that really at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely um, new to me. And I, I read the story last night. I haven't listened to the record. Um, The story is like just that kind of like off brand weirdness of (laughs) star wars kid stuff in the 80s um so it was uh it was pretty pretty interesting pretty fantastic um and just uh, you know like another cool thing to uh to have in the collection all right well let's get into the uh the recent updates about star wars the high republic of course the uh what i think the third episode right of the star wars the high republic show Mm -hmm. aired on Mm -hmm. youtube um earlier this week so or i guess last week now and there were a few announcements in there first one is uh, star wars the high republic trail of shadows um comic series this is a uh, a mini series um that is going to be written by daniel jose older um with art from david wachter Colors by Giada Marchisio and uh, cover art from David Lopez. And uh, it's like a kind of mystery fiction Star Wars story set in the High Republic. Mm -hmm. Um, So that sounds cool. It's all related to the events of the Republic Fair, which um, 
if I'm remembering correctly, Ryan, the Republic Fair was kind of uh, seated at the end of the first round of uh, of the the High Republic books, the kind of the first group of books that came out. But that event is going to be featured, I want to say, in this second round of upcoming books, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think I it will be correct? like, I, I think it will be kind of equivalent to like the opening of like Starlight Beacon um, yes. when we talk about like. Um, you know, the chancellor's like great works, um, you know, obviously opening a giant uh, space tower uh, yeah. th- that that feels like a like a great work. And then this uh, this this seems like a world's fair uh, type type event, but a, yeah. a, a galaxy's fair, I guess. Mm-hmm. A republic's fair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And apparently, uh, this, this mini series is going to tie in pretty closely with the Kevin Scott novel, the rising storm, which mm-hmm. is coming out at the end of June. Um, is it end of June or end of July? I think, or, or I want to say like one of the books is coming out very end of June. The other ones are coming out like early July, June, mid July, June 29th for the rising storm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, cool. Well, that is going to come up pretty quickly. That'll be here in, mm-hmm. Two shakes of a lamb's tail. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, it's going to tie in closely with that. It's sort of a mystery type thing. And uh, the most interesting kind of um, reveal or, or comment from this article from StarWars.com, which of course will be linked to in the show notes, is that uh, the uh, the duo, the characters, the Jedi characters featured in the, the comic, um, have definite Mulder and Scully vibes uh, of the X-Files. <laughs> So, uh-huh. uh, so that's pretty interesting. I like that idea quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love this conceptually. Um, I think, I, I think we've have. Did we see like Star Wars detectives in the EU? Oh, I just feel like we saw everything in the EU, but I yeah. can't think of an example at the moment, you know. Exactly. The, the, it like feels like something that would have happened, but maybe not something that was like doubled down on as much as like this. And I think that's a that's a really cool. It's just a really cool premise. Um, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of like like I don't I don't love like detective stories really um you know i have like an appreciation for like film noir and um some of the like the you know the classic like hard-broiled stuff but Mm -hmm. um i really like when it like they do detective stuff within genre fiction um like i'm a huge fan of like Jessica Jones in the Marvel comics. And then um, also like they um, X factor um, was like, a, or is still um, like mutant detectives. Um, and I think that's, re- that's always really, really fun and really, really cool. It's like, it's different than just like the, you know, I think it, in the Marvel comics, it's different than just like the big giant superhero stuff. Um, and here, I think it will be different than like the big giant like Jedi <laughs> battle stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
And obviously, like, also, like, I'm a fan of Batman um, as well, which I guess is probably the most famous superhero detective. Um, sorry, Jessica Jones. But, um, yeah, I think I, I, I love that sort of, like, cro- that genre crossover. Uh, I, th- I think it works really well, and it's something we just haven't seen a ton in Star Wars. Yeah, I think that sounds uh, really, really fun. Um, the The article even, you know, uses terms like pulpy and uh, noir and, and things like that. So, um, you know, it was like, I was reading through this article about the comic and, um, you know, they mention mystery vibes here and there. They, they bring up the X-Files thing and it's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, they, they straight up uh, kind of get into, like I said, using terms like pulpy and noir and things like that. So I think we can definitely expect to, um, to kind of feel those vibes because sometimes that stuff it, you know, creators or, or interviews or whatever promotion will discuss those things. And then you, you actually consume the media and you're like, man, I mean, I guess that's there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But this, it, it, after reading this article, it really feels like that is, you know, kind of the focus. So, um, should be really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So I'm trying, I'm trying to keep up with all the high Republic stuff as far as comics and things go. So mm-hmm. we'll definitely plan on getting this. Um, I've, uh, I've kind of set that as my, my focus, I suppose you'd say, as far as comics go, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I just uh, kind of have trouble keeping up with the rest of it. But I'm going to stick with uh, with the High Republic stuff. Um, so I, I'm definitely planning on on getting this. I don't see a release date. I don't think they've uh, announced when it's actually coming out, unless they mentioned it on the show. Do you have any idea about that? Oh, um, I watched the show and I read yeah, all I, these articles, and I yeah, still I don't know a release date. <laughs> it doesn't say a date in the. Yeah. Article, so I bet they're they're just kind of holding on to that, but. Um, I, I would think maybe like what, August, September, uh, I don't know how long they usually like how much lead time there is before they, when they announce something like this and then release it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, they have like, fall. like they have like, here's a variant cover. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it, they have the, you know, the creators are designed and, the you know the general story pitch seems to be there so it could be mm-hmm. i don't know it seems like something that could launch in the next six months i would think so yeah i think so well especially just because it's tied into that book that's coming out this summer you know so yeah kind of strange to do a comic series tie into a book and have it release you know a year later or something even six months later i, I feel like it it's probably soon but uh but we'll see. Um, probably a reaction to the fact that the initial <laughs> issues of the High Republic sold like crazy. You know, so they're <laughs> like, hey, let's let's get some more of this High Republic stuff out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm not totally sure how they're like continuing to sell. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I mean, the good news is that uh, shops are... Uh, at least seem to be ordering enough to keep up with demand. And I don't know if that means that like demand has gone down. Um, but you know, I, you know, hitting up some, uh, some comic shops, um, over, over the weekend and just like my usual one, it's nice to actually see high Republic issues on the shelf, (laughs) which, um, you know, wasn't the case for, uh, the first like two months, basically. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got to get into my shop and, and pick up the uh, recent issues. I think I'm a couple of weeks behind here um, mm. from the most recent uh, wave of comics. I think I have April's, but not May's. So, 
Okay, well, uh, I can I can say issue five of the Marvel series is pretty fantastic. Mm. Yeah, they were kind of discussing that on the uh, on the High Republic show, and I was like, wait a minute, I haven't gotten this one yet. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, they didn't totally spoil it, but uh, but they kind of did. So, but that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, other things discussed on the High Republic show, I think some I saw some chatter online. People were hoping for an announcement about like the kind of third wave of books or whatever. Mm. Um, we did not get that yet. So I would think, you know, to me, um, there's another episode of the show coming out in July because it comes out every two months, the High Republic mm-hmm. show. So I would think that would be a good time to announce whatever's following this wave of books. Um, and the reveals in in this episode did focus on the second wave of books. Uh, so the rising storm, the, uh, th- they showed off a special edition cover. Um, that's going to be the target cover, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm looking at that now and that looks really nice. And I think that's where I pre-ordered, pre-ordered the book from. So, um, I should be getting that cover, I think. So yeah. that looks good. Um, that book, as you said, comes out on June 29th. So, um, that'll be the next release. And then, um, out of the shadows is releasing on July 27th. Um, and they showed off two exclusive covers, one, uh, for target and one for Walmart for out of the shadows. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then I, I'm assuming the, uh, what's it called? Like crash at high point tower or something like that. Um, cause this is like the same way that the first wave worked, right? The, uh, the uh the first book it was the name of the first the the adult novel um boy well you know the book i'm talking about the adult novel the high republic adult novel um where is it ah light of the jedi light of the jedi came out um a few weeks earlier than um a test of courage and the claudia gray book they came out a few weeks later i think um didn't light of the jedi and the um test of courage come out on the same day mm, and then it was it, the claudia gray one that was like a month after okay that could be that could be yeah but uh out of the shadows here by justina ireland is the equivalent i believe of the uh the claudia gray book right that's like the middle grade one yeah um and then the crash at high point tower i hope that's what it's called because that's what i keep calling it but um that would be more the uh well, I guess the uh, maybe that's the middle grade, the um, the Claudia Gray one. <laughs> Out of the Shadows is going to be like the YA book. Out of the Shadows is like the YA book. You're right. Crash, High Point Tower is more like the middle grade reader, I think. Yes. So that yep. one might be coming out on June 29th, too. There's really no way to know, but that could be coming out on June 29th. But, uh, but it's following a similar pattern anyway to the initial wave, which is the adult novel maybe the middle grade novel come out and then they give us a couple weeks to get those read and then they'll put out the mm-hmm. young adult book after that. So yeah, uh, it, June, re- June and race July. to crash point tower is um, June 29th. Okay. So it is the, it's the same pattern. It's the adult novel and the middle yeah. grade and then give us a couple weeks and then the YA. So yeah, I will be what my... I want to know about is when are we getting, uh, you know, the, the great Jedi rescue equivalent of this of this line yeah the uh the picture book the the yeah paperback picture book because i yeah. legitimately love that book <laughs> I, th- I think it's so fun um well and it's really good too if you ever just want to like catch up on the story of light of the jedi you could just pop that yeah. open and 
and uh, hit the hit the the uh, the key kind of plot points there. Yeah, you know, quickly, yeah, and so. like two minutes later, you got yeah. it. Yep. Um, the other it thing, stickers. It has stickers. It so. does. That yeah. rules. I hope they. I hope they do uh, more of those. I don't. I I haven't seen one announced though, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, but we do have also then in August, uh, the monster of Temple Peak. Remember that the High Republic Adventures from IDW. Yeah, that one. Um, it's like a graphic novel, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know if or it's like a, a trade. Yeah, if I I think it might be a it might be like a mini series. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, but that comes out, and then uh, September seventh is Edge of Balance, uh, the manga. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, like through um, through September, we have a pretty consistent um, High Republic stuff. Yeah, so, that'll be fun. So when it, oh wait, uh oh, found it. <laughs> Star Wars: The High Republic Showdown at the Fair. Oh, that's it. That's the uh, picture book. Yeah, twenty-four pages. Well, cool. That'll be awesome. Yeah, and it sounds like it's it stars Buriaga, the the Wookiee Padawan again. Uh, I think that's a great choice for the picture book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're getting that in October. Perfect. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, we're pretty much sorted through the year, then I guess. Mm-hmm. Huh? So going back to what you were saying earlier, I with all that and us like still trying to like figure all all the books out that we're reading in like the next six months. I think it's fine that they didn't announce the next wave yet. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause like not... that would probably be, I think that's too much to keep track of like for me. And I'm like pretty, pretty deep in this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Like I, I think one set of books at a time is good. You know, um, I don't need to know about like, what I'll be reading, you know, three or four or six months after the wave I haven't even gotten yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as you said, like it's a, every wave is a handful of books to juggle and keep track of and plan out a reading schedule for and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's best to, uh, to just let us get it, either, you know, have these books in our hands or be, you know, have them imminently releasing before, <laughs> you know, kind of telling us what's, what's coming after. So also forgot about this August 31st, star Wars, the high Republic tempest runner, original Dude. audiobook by Kevin Scott. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, 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 we're well fed. We have plenty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we know there's a third, there's going to be more waves of books and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't need, I don't need to know right now. So totally cool with that. Okay, also, like, totally random, but this just popped up when I was looking at that audiobook. There's a Star Wars Visions Ronin audiobook. And it says, a stunning original novel inspired by up the upcoming Star Wars Visions animated anthology series. I feel like we talked about that, didn't we? Did we? That there was... I thought we did. Okay, maybe it's seeing it in, like, the audiobook section makes it weird 
But yeah. Okay. So there's a, a visions novel that's also getting an audiobook. Ooh, boy, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, thankfully they haven't really been releasing too much in the way of new, I shouldn't say thankfully, but it just in terms of keeping track of things, they haven't been releasing too much in the way of new Star Wars books outside of High Republic, except for the, the uh, Thrawn books. Thrawn and Alphabet Squadron, which we're not hip to. We no. really been reading those series, so. No, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I pl- I've read the first Thrawn book. Um, Same. Of yeah. what will be at least six, right? Because yeah. the Thrawn Ascendancy thing, that's a trilogy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, the, the previous Thrawn trilogy. So I'm like one out of six into that one. And uh, you read Alphabet Squadron, though, didn't you? I read the first one. Okay, so you have two yep. more of those to read. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, just with those series alone, I'm like nine books I have to, eight, eight nine books, you know, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out of the loop as far as that goes. Plus, I was behind a few from the previous run. So, ooh. Um, but uh, I'm just going to try to stay on top of High Republic for now, you know. And then the good news is there's not too much of a backlog building for me, I guess, besides those those specific series right there. So. Yeah. Cause we were supposed to get the, the Mando book this yeah. year, which yeah. uh, got canceled. Right, right, right. That was kind of, I, f- I feel like that kind of would have been like the big, you know, kind of the big release that, you know, everyone kind of rallied behind or was like at least reading. Sure. Um, and, uh, I wonder, cause like, I, I, I feel like in the fan base, like, you know, everyone like seems to read like some Star Wars books, but like mm. not everyone's reading High Republic. Not everyone reads Thrawn or Alphabet Squadron. Um, but there's like those kind of like big ones that come around that people definitely all check out. And uh, yeah, yeah, like like I, Aftermath. Everybody read Aftermath, at least the first one. Um, mm-hmm. Like um or uh, it probably didn't start this way, but via word of mouth, I think um, Lost Stars was one of those books. Oh, like, yeah. It really seemed like most people read that one. So Yeah. And then like Bloodline definitely felt like one oh, that yeah. people were reading. Um, so, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Like, we'll see what the big uh, Resistance Reborn. Um, every, yeah. Everyone read that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they do have like a, a real big one or if like High Republic and is just kind of steering the publishing ship right now. Yeah. I feel like there's usually a big book around like November, October, November, December. Yeah. Time. Um, so it might just be the third high Republic adult novel, or maybe there's, maybe there's something else for that time. Or maybe like you said, that was going to be the Mando book. And I wonder if there, there'll be like a Boba Fett book. Oh uh, yeah. Book of Boba Fett or, or what would be even cooler, a Fennec Shand book. Uh, yeah, could be. Or how about a Bad Batch book? No, I'm just I, I don't, we, we I don't think show. they would translate well to prose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they could do one of those Shakespeare style books, but about the Bad Batch. You know what I mean? Uh, that <laughs> could actually, that might be kind of funny.
Let's switch gears. Let's switch gears. We talked a lot of High Republic. Let's get into the sequel trilogy. Um, <laughs> talk a little bit about this J.J. Uh, Abrams article that was uh, mm. kind of a, a huge story for, for a day or two there in Star Wars Twitter land. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, I don't actually have the, it's an article from Collider. Um, and I believe JJ was doing press for the re-release of, uh, super eight, the super eight, like f- Blu-ray or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's 4k 10th anniversary, super eight. Yeah. Which I, sh- I should go back and watch that movie again. I watched it once and I liked it, but it's been a long time since I've seen that. Um, have you seen that movie, Ryan? I, yeah, I saw it when it came out. Didn't I didn't like love it. it. I didn't love oh, okay. it. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, Collider uh, took the opportunity to ask, um, this is author Adam Chitwood, uh, ask about um, the sequel trilogy and the concept of having a plan or not having a plan going into it, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the article now is called J.J. Abrams Reflects on Star Wars and When It's Critical to Have a Plan. Um, mm-hmm. It did have a different title previously. So, um, and I know I kind of took issue with the original title. I saw a few other people did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it sort of said like the title. I could probably what go was the original find. title. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can look it up because, and I'll cut this, you know, I'll cut the dead air out. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know I texted it to you, I think, right? Because we were talking about it. Yeah. Which is why you sent me a wiki. Oh, um, okay. I can uh, entry. I, I, yeah, I, I got it. JJ um, okay. Abrams acknowledges it probably would have been better if they had approached the Star Wars sequel trilogy with a plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the original title, um, which I think was a pretty reasonable conclusion to make about what he was saying in these comments, but it's not something he literally said. So mm-hmm. I think that's why they why they changed the title. But let's just look at the uh, the quote from JJ, because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, the question, the author writes, I asked him about this creative handoff. Uh, specifically, does he feel the Star Wars trilogy would have benefited from having a plan from the very beginning? In answering, Abrams drew from his wealth of experience in television. So, JJ said, I've been involved in a number of projects that have been, in most cases, series that have ideas that begin the thing where you feel like you know where it's going to go. And sometimes it's an actor comes in. Other times it's a relationship that's uh, as written, doesn't quite work. And things that you think are just going to be so well received, just crash and burn. And other things you think <laughs> like, oh, that's a small moment or that's a one episode character suddenly become a hugely important part of the story. I feel like what I've learned as a lesson a few times now, and it's something that especially in this pandemic year, working with writers has become clear. The lesson is that you have to plan things as best as you can, and you always need to be able to respect to the uh, respond to the unexpected. And the unexpected can come in all sorts of forms, and I do think there's nothing more important than knowing where you're going. Um, so that's the first part of his response which is, uh, I think, a carefully stated (laughs) response Mm -hmm. to the question, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like, oh, it can be good when, you know, things don't go as planned. And other times it can be really good when they do go as planned. Um, But obviously he ends that statement by saying, I think it's really important or there's nothing more important than knowing where you're going. So I think that's um, something that a lot of people 
kind of responded to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he continues by stating, there are projects I've worked on where we had some ideas, but we hadn't worked through them enough. And sometimes we had some ideas, but then we weren't allowed to do them in the way we wanted to. I've had all sorts of situations where you plan things in a certain way and you suddenly find yourself doing something that's 180 degrees different. And then sometimes it works really well and you feel like, wow, that came, that really came together. And other times you think, oh my God, I can't believe this is where we are. And sometimes when it's not working out, it's because it's what you planned. And other times when it's not working out, it's because you didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, And then finally, he says, you just never really know. But having a plan I have learned, in some cases, the hard way is the (laughs) most critical thing, because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize, because if you don't know the inevitable of the story, you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever, but you want to be leading to something inevitable. Um, And I thought that was like the most interesting part of it really Mm -hmm. Um, just from a i don't know um (laughs) just from a a writing perspective and a and a creative perspective and 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 you know kind of really thinking about the larger question of of uh what's important when approaching you know telling stories like this um Mm -hmm. which is obviously not something that i personally do so you know um but just from an observer standpoint like i think that is the uh, maybe most useful or most kind of important part of his his response um is just saying like when telling these kinds of stories there should be something inevitable that you're leading to you know and specifically to say like if you're not leading to something inevitable you could have a really cool sequence or a really funny joke or whatever but you know kind of what's the point if it's not leading to um to something inevitable and it's it's I guess it's hard to imagine that a filmmaker, <laughs> writer, whatever could be leading to something inevitable if they don't know how something really is going to end, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is all just like really thoughtful, um, just uh, writing advice, um, storytelling advice from someone who obviously has the experience to. Uh, to yeah. back it up. Um, I can think of very few people more qualified to talk about this subject than JJ Abrams. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I think uh, like kind of, I mean, obviously this was getting floated around, um, you know, partially because of that original headline, um, which was maybe a little uh, snappier. Um than it than it needs needed to be and uh kind of maybe a little disingenuous to like what was actually being said here um i've kind of gone back and forth on it like um but i think you get more there's more nuance to it than just that original headline because i mm-hmm. saw like tons of people like just you know retweeting the article without like reading it and just being yeah. like well duh and uh <laughs> or like shocking um and stuff and like yeah well that's i mean yes but also like if you really want to like go into it i think it's more interesting to kind of like really dig into the subtext here and see like okay like he's not saying the word star wars he's 
he's talking about Star Wars here. Um, you know, maybe he's talking about well, Lost a little bit too. See, I mean, um, that's the thing. I think I think that he is at times talking about Star Wars and at times talking mm-hmm. about other things. And I think yep. he's careful to not let you know when he's talking about <laughs> which thing he's talking about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, which is like a little frustrating, I guess. But at the same time, it just it's one of those things where it's like, well, we really it's hard to really it's it's easy to kind of feel like we know what he's what what he's kind of saying about the sequels but it's mm-hmm. hard to really definitively say we know what he's saying about the sequels you know what i mean so right yeah. i mean i think we we can take some pretty educated guesses or mm-hmm. you know and if and if we're like wrong about that like hey it's just us you know taking something that doesn't have anything to do with star Wars and making it about star Wars, which is what we do. Um, so whatever. Um, I thought like just, so thinking about the sequel trilogy, there's a few things that stood out to me. Um, Mm -hmm. so the first part where he says, um, Oh, things that you think are gonna just be so well received that just crash and burn and other things that you think like oh that's a small moment or that's a one episode character suddenly become a hugely important part of the story and so what i was thinking about here was um you know i don't i don't know like we don't know jj's original plan for the sequel trilogy like what how he saw how he envisioned the sequel trilogy if he had directed and co-written all of the films because he was never planning to do that so um i think though i don't know if he really had the ben ray romantic connection as part of um as part of the story but i think there's just like little moments in the force awakens that i don't which i don't think i really really noticed until after i saw the last jedi so it's like it's impossible to kind of like go back and like think about it with you know just a clear head but i think some of that stuff like they're they're there there's tidbits um but you could have like the the episode eight could have also like completely not gone in that direction. But I think like Ryan Johnson, like picked up on that and was like, Oh, this will be interesting to explore. And he did. And then that's something that like hugely connected with the audience. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and yeah, I think that's like one of those things that like, it's, it would have been different if, you know, JJ had been directing all those. Cause I don't think that was something he was setting up, but he, he did set up like the, um, you know, who, it, who are raised parents thing, which was mm-hmm. like, that was what we were talking about after force awakens. Yeah. We, we were like all of us, we were talking about like, who are raised parents? We were talking about like, is she a Kenobi? Is she a Skywalker? Yeah. You know, all this, like that was the conversation. It wasn't like, we weren't talking about like, are Ray and Ben going to hook up? Um, mm-hmm. Like that wasn't the conversation we were having. Other people were having those oh, conversations definitely. because definitely. they picked up on some of the stuff Ryan did. Um, 
and then he like explored more. But then, well, but, you but I mean, I, I would just say uh, too. I mean, some people were having those conversations after the Force Awakens, even before. Oh, you're saying they picked up on the same things that Ryan picked up on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Right, right, right. Okay. And gotcha. and like yeah. I didn't pick up on that really. Um, right, 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 right. And so, like, because I I had a different interpretation of Ben Solo and Kylo Ren at yeah. the end of the force awakens than I did at the end of last Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um, but you know, JJ was really like leaning into like the, who, who are raised parents thing. And then Ryan picked it up and was like, mm, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that's mm, nah. And so, so I think those are well, kind of like two of the things like that's where, you know, he, JJ is saying here, like you think, something's going to be well received and then like other people may you know be like eh, no that's not really important well i think that's super interesting because uh i mean i agree with everything you said there but i think it's really interesting because of the timeline of how these movies were made and everything which we've talked about a bunch of times of course in mm-hmm. the past and i think most people are pretty familiar with but um i i i mean certainly jj and you know the team there intentionally kind of uh, set up race origins as mysterious and they wanted us to wonder about those things, etc. Mm-hmm. But also I, I remember Daisy like shortly after the movie came out being like, Oh, I thought it was obvious. I didn't even really think yeah. people would be wondering about that. And I just wonder because it's like, I would never uh, guess or try to argue that, that JJ wasn't trying to set that up as a mystery. But then I also wonder if, because you make a thing and then you put it out in the world and then you see how people react. I also wonder if they understood how much we would focus on that. You know what I mean? They, I, yeah. I, I mean, I could see it either way. They probably did, but at the same time, it could have been a thing where it's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize people were going to react to it that way. You know what I mean? And then Ryan writing The Last Jedi, um, you know, I'm sure he was like looking at that and thinking like, yeah, it doesn't really matter who her parents are. And Actually, he talks all the time. I've heard him say this many, many times that like he just looked at each character and thought what would be the most challenging thing for them. And mm-hmm. I think the reason he, you know, wrote Ray to be Ray, no one or Ray from nowhere or whatever, mm-hmm. is that he thought that will challenge her as a character. That's going to challenge her more than any actual answer to that question could. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he stated that a bunch of times. So but he didn't have the benefit of or or maybe it's not a benefit maybe it would have been a distraction but he didn't have the cultural reaction to the force awakens it didn't exist yet when he made these decisions you know what i mean like mm-hmm. he wrote that script for the last jedi before the force awakens even came out so you know um as you said before he's just reacting to the script and i guess dailies you know what i mean and stuff but he hadn't even yeah. seen like he couldn't even react to the force awakens as a finished film let alone react to the reaction of audiences, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's just something really interesting. Cause it's like, well, what, even what would Ryan Johnson's last Jedi look like if he wrote it six months after the force awakens came out and knew how we all reacted to it? You know what I mean? Right. Um, but he, I don't think it would be better, but I'm just saying it would be, it would be pretty interesting. Yeah. And like, he didn't ignore the parentage thing. There's, it's part of the story. It's just not, it, may not have been what people were expecting speculating obsessing over um with it and to be fair like they had the opportunity to they could have gone back and changed it that movie was finished ahead of schedule 
Like (laughs) they could have went back and, you know, been like, okay, we, we need him to be, we need her to be a Kenobi. Like, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, they, um, Disney chose to respect the original vision, um, which I think is good. Um, and I think they made the right call on that. Yeah. Um, And I I think that's Kathleen Kennedy. Um, yep. You know, judging her by her own statements, I think that's, that's her, her whole, you know, because there's obviously at the root of this whole discussion, and 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 the reason this article got as much attention as it did is the is the question of, you know, should I mean I guess the question is should everything have been planned out way ahead of time? But then the other question is should it have been one person kind of guiding this all along instead of having two different filmmakers originally intended to be three different filmmakers? You know, um, and and what she has always stated is like. I wanted to find people with unique visions and great, really talented filmmakers. And I wanted them to tell the story that was personal to them and the story that they wanted to tell rather than be like, Hey, me and the other higher ups, you know, we've got, uh, (laughs) we've, we've got it cooked up, you know, this has to happen. This has to happen. This has to happen. And you know, you go, go make it. Um, obviously that's not really the direction they took. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people have different feelings about that. I guess uh, it's a complicated thing, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, but I, I certainly appreciate the fact that instead of, you know, hiring somebody like Ryan Johnson and saying, oh, well, look, uh, you know, you got to you got to make her a Kenobi or, you know, whatever. They were just like, mm-hmm. well, we trust you to tell the best story. You know what I mean? And if you think that's going to be the best story to tell, then then tell it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like ultimately, I think the lesson learned here um, kind of just you know, in from my my perspective, um, is the approach that they took. I think the approach that Kathy Kennedy took of like the I'm going to pick the best filmmakers and storytellers and letting them make the film that shows what Star Wars means to them or what they see mm-hmm. as the future of Star Wars. I think that is the right plan. And I hope, and that seems to be continuing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing the projects that we have announced in the future, I think for a trilogy though, I think the best approach is probably to have the same person, um, you know, kind of spearheading directing, um, or, directing or writing um you know or both um those films um yeah uh mm-hmm. or or doing something that's more of like more deeply collaborative yeah um like what's happening with like high republic where yeah. like those people just like are living this together the creators and they're like everything is like connecting and tying together because they're all like they they know exactly what the other person's doing so they're like adjusting their stories to like fit that so yeah i mean i think like no i think that's a great point and and so often when we talk about this question you know this this uh debate or whatever it's like um you know the having not having the same person do all three movies you know ruin the sequel trilogy or you know, no, it was totally awesome. Like, or actually maybe like the approach they took could have been great 
And if they just adjusted it slightly, you know what I mean? And if things had worked out a little differently than they did, because um, I think the collaboration part would have been would have been key, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I say that as somebody who actually really loves all three sequel movies, and I love the sequel trilogy. And, you know, it it it, it works pretty well for me as one story. But I know, obviously, um, even within, like, our kind of close friend group or whatever, there's quite a few of us who <laughs> don't feel that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's divisive In, for sure. Including myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. divisive. But, um, but, like, overall, it works for me. But I just think, like, J.J. and Ryan Johnson like had had they known that JJ was going to come back and do the third one i just think the mm-hmm. process would have probably been pretty different in terms of they would have been talking more but it's like you know the the way it worked out like JJ you know kicked it off with the force awakens um he did it on a pretty tight schedule um he didn't mm-hmm. have all that much time for that movie or the rise of skywalker um mm-hmm. but he did it on a pretty tight schedule he made a great movie in the force awakens and then i think he was um, happy to kind of pass it off to Ryan and be like, all right, now you take this and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, from all accounts, he loved what Ryan Johnson did with it. Um, mm-hmm. but never, you know, kind of thought he was going to come back and tell that third chapter. So right. it would have just been so, I think it just would have been so helpful if that had been known all along. And it's it, obviously impossible for that to have been the case because it wasn't even supposed to happen. But um, yeah. had that been known all along, I just think like those two uh, filmmakers could have, you know, probably <laughs> um, put the three movies together a little more smoothly. And, and, you know, there could have been a conversation like JJ had no reason to be like, Hey Ryan, um, before you put this movie out into the world that like really strongly suggests that Ray is, you know, that, that, that we're not going to answer that question of her identity. Cause the question is, it doesn't matter and it's not important. Like it is going to be important to me in the next movie. So like, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't, so don't indicate that so strongly, you know, I don't know yeah. that he would have been like, you can't do that, but I think yeah, just even a 10% adjustment to little things like that can make all the difference in terms of how people respond to it. And then what their expectations are for what comes next, you know? Yeah. Or, or likewise, Ryan could be like, Hey, I answered this, this question don't backtrack on it <laughs> in the next movie <laughs> and yeah. like do this yeah. and start talking about strand casts. <laughs> well, see, that's, what's so interesting though. Cause I think like, I, I don't know. Cause we, and, and I actually do want to talk about this before we wrap up the conversation, but it's a question of what did they know from the outset? Cause like so much of his answer is like, you, you think you know things and then you change it based on how people react. Right. Or based mm-hmm. on an actor's performance or whatever. A really obvious example of that is Poe Dameron who was supposed to die in the force awakens. And he ended up becoming like really a, a third kind of protagonist, key character, or whatever. I mean, not mm-hmm. a third protagonist because like Ray and, and Kylo Ren or, but, or Ben, whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, he became that third kind of heroic, you know, uh, resistance character. And that was never intended. Um, and it's all, I think, down to Oscar Isaac and, you know, whatever. But like, so things change. And I think that's so such a big part of his... Um, his response there, but it's like, well, what did they know? What, what were the kind of like the pillar components of the storytelling and the story that they, they did kind of have worked out in 2013, Mm -hmm. 2014. And then what are the things that they, you know, felt comfortable exploring through the storytelling and through the process? Because that's another component of this whole debate and conversation that I feel like we don't really, um, we're not specific enough about, you know, is that like, because they didn't know everything that was going to happen in the end, 
that is not equal to there was no plan, you know, because I think there was mm-hmm. a plan for some things. For instance, Adam Driver will say, when I met with JJ to talk about even taking the role of Kylo Ren, we talked about where it was going to conclude, what the arc was for the character. Like that, I think that was understood from the beginning. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and so that's not the same as they didn't have a plan. You know what I mean? Um, and I think the same is kind of true for just my personal, you know, hypothesis or whatever. I think Ray Skywalker was the idea from day one, you know, in mm. terms of like, she doesn't have a last name. We're setting up this big mystery about who she is, but whether she was related to this person or that person or whatever, I think the ultimate kind of ending was going to be, I'm going to take on that name, carry on that legacy, whatever. That's just my personal hunch or whatever, but I think that was the case. Yeah, but, and I think that works with both, um, you know, Ryan's answer to her parentage and then JJ's later answer to her parentage. I think, like, it still works both ways because if she was, you know, Ray nobody, yeah. then you she was raised by her adoptive parents, um, yeah. you know, uh, Luke and Leia. And then if, yep. you know, but then also, like, if she's Ray, son of clone, granddaughter of Palpatine, <laughs> like uh-huh. she also can just be like, Ugh, no, thank you. <laughs> and just like utterly reject that and be like, no, this is my family. And that that like works, too, even though it's like a little clumsy on the way. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I think exactly that. And I think but I I, I feel like. And this is one criticism that I would have of The Rise of Skywalker, you know, uh, one of multiple, but it's a movie I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Palpatine stuff is maybe one part uh, feeling a pressure to like kind of have a big answer to the question of who Ray is because of like the the fact that, like you said earlier, that's what everybody was talking about after The Force Awakens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And as a fan watching the movies like by the time the last jedi came out and i watched and, and loved that movie i personally didn't care about that anymore you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that was that totally. didn't matter to me <laughs> but i but i think like if i was the guy who made that first movie i might be like oh i made that movie and i set up that question and then everybody was talking about it and everybody cared about it you know and mm-hmm. then compounding that is the fact that like i mean as much as i think the last jedi is like practically the best star wars movie there was a lot of vocal you know <laughs> pushback to it so I can see being in that position and mm-hmm. thinking like, okay, well, Ray Skywalker is my end goal, but I did set up this big question. And also the original trilogy has this precedent of like big surprise moments, you know what I mean? Where it's like, there's a reveal about lineage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, just feeling like a, pr- a pressure or a, I don't know, a belief that that's something that, that you should include. I think that was a misstep. Obviously, I don't think it was necessary, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things where that wasn't planned. I don't think that was a plan. And actually, I think they probably were like, I don't know, we're going to do something wild <laughs> in these later movies, but we'll figure it out as we as we tell the story. So that's a pretty valid, to me anyways, I think that's a pretty valid moment where we could say like, no, you you know, having the plan would definitely maybe been better. <laughs> but I don't know, it, it might have made The Last Jedi worse though. Like if they had the plan all along, like, oh yeah, Palpatine is going to be this thing, this reveal in uh, in episode nine then. That might have just kind of, I don't know, constricted Ryan Johnson with telling the story he did in The Last Jedi, which is 
better for not having any awareness of that Palpatine crap, I think. <laughs> so Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I mean, yeah, we don't need to like belabor this point or have this conversation anymore, but like yeah, I mean, I think like the one I don't I mean, I'm on record, I don't like the Palpatine stuff. I mm. think it was like really poorly executed in the Rise of Skywalker and it was just unnecessary um mm-hmm. in general, but the one thing I will say for it, it was a desperately needed connection to the prequels. Mm. And that's that is something that does kind of bum me out about the um the sequel trilogy is, you know, for being part of, you know, the end of a nine part saga, it's kind of weird that they completely ignore the first three parts. Um yeah. throughout. And that kind of that kind of bums me out. Yeah. Although I mean, yeah, 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 for sure. But at the same time, like I actually think episode nine suffers from feeling like I, I wish that I wish that movie could have been made um, and received, but even just made by like JJ and crew without a pressure of like, well, since this is the last one, we have to like make it because he talked about that all the time. Like, oh, this can't just be the end of the sequel trilogy. Right. It also has to be the end of the saga. And it's like it would have been probably way better yeah. if you would have just been like no, I'm just making the third of three movies and it doesn't have to like take on this additional weight of like wrapping everything up, yep. you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it's, and that was something that anyway. was added between last Jedi and rise of Skywalker. That was not the way we were looking at that movie or the sequel trilogy prior to like JJ coming out and saying that yeah. like we weren't thinking about it being like the, this is the, the, the nine part saga that's getting well, wrapped up. It's unfortunate too, because like, come on, like whether it's ten years from now or twenty years from now or whatever, it's probably not going to be the end of a nine-part saga. It's probably going to be a longer saga than that. So, uh-huh. it would have been real nice Hopefully. if that wasn't a concern. I hope so. Yeah. Um, I hope it's I hope it's a twelve-part saga in in our okay. lifetime. That would be um, cool. And I then, have one other. Oh, sorry. But just related to this, like that's that I think is a key time where it's like. Because that was something that was kind of JJ sort of took on, um, you know, when he came back to do episode nine. Um, And I I don't know if he just got caught up in hype or that's just like the way he, um, you know, saw it. Um, But like, that's one of those things that, you know, if it was going to tie together a nine part saga, like there's no indication of that in you know, episode seven, there's like one offhanded comment about, you know, Luke Skywalker talking about the downfall of the Jedi in episode eight. But like, otherwise, there's really not any overt connections to the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, around episode seven, there was also a little, little bit of crap talking about the prequels, um, yeah. both from, you know, creators and audience. Um, well, because I think so. I, I just got to get this in real quick. But yeah. I think that when the Force Awakens was coming out, the big question was sort of like, can we make Star Wars? Can we change the perception of Star Wars and, and new Star Wars movies? You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was really what they were worried about. And then I think the Force Awakens was so successful. Rogue One was so successful. Last Jedi was so financially successful, artistically successful, and so critically successful. successful. <laughs> critically, yeah, critically. It, and and very successful with a lot of Star Wars fans, but then also you know, N- not so not YouTuber successful. 
not YouTube, not, not conservative no. uh, podcasters who had never talked about Star Wars. No, but they're <laughs> successful. Just in my own personal culture wars, successful. Yeah, well, that's an element of it. But then, even just in my own personal like interactions with normal people, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, that's the one that I get the most kind of you know people criticize the most or the the, the most dissatisfaction with hmm. although it's interesting it's an inter- interesting question because you have to say like well what came first the chicken or the egg you know what i mean all the culture war stuff and then that colors the way people interpret the last jedi or you know what i mean did they whatever but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. M- my thing is that like by the time they got to making these later movies in the disney era the question was already answered of like can we bring star wars back can we make star wars cool again like you know whatever like i don't think that i don't think the concerns and the pressures were the same as they were in the force awakens era so i think that just Mm -hmm. influenced the process too you know what i mean um because there was no way they were going to be trying to like tie in prequel stuff when they were making the force awakens you know what i mean there was no way like i think they and it's unfortunate but i just (laughs) think that's that's the reality they were not looking to connect it would have it would have been like box office poison to like have yeah. like a gungan show up in like a, a teaser or something um yeah. but then but then r- retroactively though when you have like then when you have jj being like oh this is going to tie together all nine movies like yeah. then that just doesn't work because like you didn't you didn't like plant those seeds early enough along for it to yeah. like make sense i think that was a misguided goal with yeah. episode nine to try to I mean, I, you know, Huge personally, thing. I think I think there's a couple little fun things in there, like, you know, to hear certain voices in the in that final sequence that are prequel voices. I mean, that's cool. Or mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. uh, what else is there's a couple little things in there. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, that's cool. But like, I just I, I don't like personally, conceptually, I don't like the idea that like you have The Force Awakens and you have The Last Jedi and they really don't touch on the prequels at all. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden in episode nine, a movie that's set 60 years after the prequels or more or something like that, that you're mm-hmm. going to then all of a sudden like be like, hey, it's prequel vibes all over. You know, it's just like it feels like it would be kind of if they had really gone hard on that stuff, that that would have been maybe a little ham fisted or whatever. Anyways, you know what I mean? At that point, it's like you didn't you didn't really connect these movies to the prequels. So like, let's accept that and then just make the best movie we can instead of trying to. Yeah. Know, retroactively bring it all together you know yeah especially Um, like with all the the subtext around uh force awakens like practical effects practical effects not cg even though like the prequels have tons of practical effects and sure the sequel trilogy has tons of cg uh whatever (laughs) it's um but like all that conversation and like jar jar's bones are buried in the desert like Mm. all that all that crap like um, that was the worst yeah yeah like then that was, that was like, the worst moment of the entire like <laughs> sequel trilogy lead up like the whole cycle that yep. was that was the worst moment of all of it yeah and so then like you they like back themselves in a corner where like well now you can't put that stuff in there because you just like talk so much shit about it like mm, <laughs> so like and then yeah. so it's so weird to be like yeah it's connecting everything we love it all it's all star wars I think it would but, have been great if they would have just like, maybe it could have been cool if they would have just visited one prequel planet, you know, in one of these movies. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 that could be like pretty low key. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, well, actually, <laughs> I don't know how they screwed it up so bad at the beginning of <laughs> Rise of Skywalker with the Mustafar stuff. Cause that yeah. right there is just a 
that's just a killer way to tie it all together. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like yeah. the movie opens with Kylo Ren on Mustafar, but you can't tell until you read the visual dictionary. <laughs> that's not a meaningful connection to the prequels, but at the same time, like how hard would it have been to shoot that or kind of design that in a way that it's just more overtly we're on yeah. Mustafar. You're, you're just on a lava beach. Like, yeah. and you're and yeah. like immediately you're like, Oh, whoa, whoa. Like that. Well, like if, that Kylo, so if, much Ky- weight. if Kylo would have just hopped on to one of those like robot hovercraft skateboard <laughs> things that you like cruise through lava that you surf over lava on yeah, like, to get from point A to point B, then I would have been like, there we go. The prequels yeah. are back. Why, why couldn't one of the, the, the keys, the code masters, what are they called? The, Oh, the, um, it's not a holocron because it's a, a wayfinder. Wayfinder, yeah. yeah. Like, why, why couldn't one of those have been in the in the room where uh, Anakin sliced down Wat Tambor? Oh, my God. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like, you just needed an establishing shot, you know, that was yeah. like a landscape that made it clear that you were on Mustafar and they could have left the rest of the stuff the same, you know? Or they could have had the eye of the webbish bog in there, which would have been cool, but uh, apparently mm. slowed things down too much. I don't know. Hey, but but before we um, <laughs> before we move on from this topic, uh, one thing that I think is a super interesting example of this whole like, hey, sometimes you plan things ahead of time, and then sometimes you find that something worked or was more important than than you knew that it would be or whatever. Um, is the uh, the the Han Solo scene in the Force Awakens? And then like bringing that back in uh, the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm sure when they filmed the Han Solo sequence, obviously in the force awakens, they knew they were doing a big time sequence and that it was really important and that it mattered. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like I, I don't think there's any reason to think they thought like, but we'll also bring Harrison back and have him, you know, kind of like echo the scene again in the last movie. But like, to me, that's probably the best it might be my favorite part of the rise of Skywalker and like the mm. best moment in the rise of Skywalker to me. I love it. I really, really love it. And, um, yeah, I just don't think it's something you could have planned. You know what I mean? I mean, you could have, yeah. but I just, it, it's just like, it's one of those things where you find it along the way and, uh, it works super well. Yeah. And I think it's something that like, that would have been something that would have been top of mind for JJ because he mm. shot the original scene. It, yeah probably well it it wasn't because <laughs> we we know a little bit about it but you know it wasn't top of mind for colin trevorrow hmm. which is like another completely weird factor to think about like how different the sequel trilogy would have been if colin trevorrow had written and directed the last movie yeah and like and then then you would totally have three disparate feeling movies like even yeah. more so. And I, yeah, maybe that would have worked better than like the sort of half step um, that they took or like the, the return um, mm. possibly, possibly not likely not. Um, and it could have been an even bigger mess, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've read that script. Um, but I think my feeling at the time was that it, it really didn't uh, didn't have any kind of real connections to uh, the story of the last Jedi, but it did have more rose um, and it did have yeah. a, uh, it did have a more uh, 
satisfying kind of uh, arc for Finn wrapping up Finn's story. So um, yeah, there was, but you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the things too, that like it gets lost a lot of times in the conversations about these movies. Uh, I, I hated the Colin Trevorrow script overall, but then mm-hmm. like, there's also stuff in there that was really awesome. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and, uh, I think that's usually the case, even with these star Wars movies that we, that we maybe don't like as much or the things that, you know, people, I don't think we do this ever, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to think I do this, but like, you know, people sometimes like super violently react to this stuff. Like, you know what I mean? It's like either mm-hmm. the most incredible thing ever, or it's just like a total, you know, ruined my childhood thing or whatever. And it's yeah. like, you know how people did to the prequels so much. Like you, it couldn't be yeah. like for so many people, it couldn't be like, well, you know, it's not my favorite Star Wars movie and it didn't totally work for me overall, but there's like a lot of great stuff in there. It's just either like, you know, uh, total wish fulfillment and my favorite thing ever, or, I completely despise it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Or just I probably like the, re- the refusal to accept things like, mm. um, like, Oh, that's, that's, that's not my canon or whatever, which is yeah. fine. You can also do that if you want. But like, for me, like, you know, with, with rise of Skywalker stuff in particular, like, I just, I just want to know like, okay, well that, that happened. That's what it is. Like, uh, I'm not going to, like, start a petition to remake The Rise of Skywalker. Like, that's that's what it is. Like, that's what yeah. happened. Um, yeah. So, like, where do we go from here? Like, and so, like, I, I, de- I don't want to write off the sequels or those characters because the characters are fantastic. And there's, like, a really great story in there um, across the three films, um, just, you know, executed in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah like for me i just like i just want to know like what's what's next like where can we do where can where can there be like a little little bit of damage control a little more explanations somewhere um mm-hmm. in like other media and stuff and then like you know w- let's like i'd i'd rather us just like keep pushing the story forward than being like oh well that because like, you know, when Star Wars stuff isn't like super well received, there's just like a tendency to retreat back into like the safe, the safety of the OT and like, yeah. well, uh, okay, we have this two day gap where I don't think we know what Luke Skywalker was doing. So uh, yeah. next project takes place here. <laughs> um, like no one's going to be mad about this. We're going to have Luke Skywalker. He's going to swing a lightsaber. Okay. Star Wars is back, baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I would rather just be like, okay, well, yep, some of this is messy. Let's move on. And I think, like, you know, I think the Clone Wars kind of did that for a lot of people with the prequels. Like, people were, even people who were, like, kind of iffy on the prequels. I mean, like, pretty much everyone loves Clone Wars at this point. And, like, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? That's the prequels. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting, um, you know, component of it. And then I think uh, time time is a pretty interesting uh, mm-hmm. a factor as well. Um, it seems to be anyways for a lot of people um, as far as the prequels go. And obviously stuff like The Clone Wars helps with that. Um, and, you know, video games and other, you know, kind of expanding the storytelling of the prequels through other mediums. But I also just think that, mm-hmm. you know, um, the weight of expectation is uh, lessened with time. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people have a, 
a little bit different take on things as, as uh, time goes by. I know that's how I felt, for instance, about uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is uh, it's mm. a movie I love. But um, no. when I walked out of the theater, I was like, oh, wow, well, that was a piece of trash, garbage movie, and it totally sucked, mm-hmm. and I hate it, you know? And then I've watched it since then, and I'm like, ah, I really like, like, 70% of this, you know what I mean? There's just, like, oh, really? another... Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have not seen that since I saw it in the theater and was like, that was a piece of trash garbage movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to think, or curious to hear what you might think if you uh, if you were to rewatch it, because, huh. yeah, I mean, it's just... I yeah I don't know I think there's probably a lot of similarities to the prequels there where it's like this mm-hmm. isn't totally exactly what I expected um, you know it doesn't look quite the same it feels a little different mm-hmm. um, and uh, that can be shocking you know it's probably closer in feeling to the original Indiana Jones movies than than the prequels are to the OT but still um, mm. so yeah it surprised a lot of people and uh, yeah time heals a lot of that uh, that for me anyways like when when i have like that visceral kind of like maybe violence too strong of a word but that like mm-hmm. really negative reaction Oof. um yeah. to something like having some time away and coming back to it without those expectations it helped yeah. with with that for me and i think it it seems like it's helped with some people for the prequels too so yeah um but but you mentioned the the future uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i was uh, trying to transition us yeah, there, yeah, yeah, if you, if yeah, you can't tell but then we had then you had to go and nuke the fridge <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true but this is a brief one um uh-huh. i'm uh i'm grabbing this from uh fanta tracks uh website uh mm-hmm. i think they maybe got it uh a little bit from the resistance broadcast so anyways just trying to give some credit here to uh where this came from but there's a uh, a quick twitter clip of john boyega talking about whether or not he would come back to do more star Wars. Um, and I think his answer might be surprising to a lot of people just considering like kind of, you know, um, the, the conversation about John Boyega and star Wars in the last like year, year plus maybe that we help and we facilitate, you know, so whichever way I'm open to the conversation, as long as it's Kathy and, JJ and maybe someone else, and you know, if it's the the team, then you know it's a no brainer. Okay, so he refers to himself being open to the conversation, and even uh, concludes by saying it's a no brainer. Um, but in there, he says, as long as it's Kathy and JJ, or maybe someone else, but the team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I would I would take away from that that uh, you know he's he he's and he said when we were at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, I think he was like he's like, yeah, I'll come back. Like, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I'm not closing the door on saying I'll never play Finn again. And, mm-hmm. um, then there's been different comments here and there. Like, I, th- I think you gotta, you know, you have to understand that mm-hmm. people feel differently on different days or, or, you know, sometimes you make an uh, off the cuff comment without necessarily thinking about it a ton. Cause I know somebody asked him about doing a Disney plus show and he's like, Oh no, I'm not coming back for TV. I'm doing a movie. You know what I mean? If I'm going to mm-hmm. do Finn, I'm going to, I'm going to do a movie, you know, but, uh, I, does that really mean he wouldn't do a Disney plus show or is that just kind of, <laughs> you know, how he was feeling on that day or whatever. So, um, and obviously there was, uh, an important conversation too about, you know, um, him feeling sidelined and, and feeling like, um, you know, the, 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 the overall kind of sequel trilogy didn't necessarily use the character the way he thought it would be, or mm-hmm. he would be and you know, stuff like that. So it's a complicated thing, but, mm-hmm. um, I think it's cool to see, 
that John Boyega is like, yeah, I would come back. And also cool to see him kind of say, especially, you know, after some of those difficult conversations about the way things all went down, cool to see, to see him say like, yeah, I, w- I liked working with these people that I made these movies with, you know, I respect, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm reading between the lines, but I feel like if you say like, yeah, I'd come back if it's JJ or if it's Kathy, it's like saying like, I trust and respect these people and I'd be happy to collaborate with them again, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Like overall, just a very positive kind of development. If you're somebody who wants to see sequel trilogy stories go forward, if you're somebody who wants to see uh, Finn's story continue, um, I think, I mean, Finn's story is one of the things that you were disappointed with in The Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah, I think the, you know, just kind of like the role he played, um, he just seemed kind of like a sidekick. Yeah. in in the film for the most part and then there was like the like weird like what what is he trying to tell ray thing mm-hmm. which when i saw the movie in the theater i was like is are they like doing like a i want to tell you i love you thing or is this something else and then like you read the novel and it's like oh no he wants to tell her that he's like force sensitive mm-hmm. it's like well i don't i guess you can kind of get that from the film but I, I didn't, and I know other people didn't as well. So that like, that just wasn't really well communicated. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I wanted to see him have more of a, you know, personal, um, you know, investment in the, you know, the stuff with the stormtroopers and everything, yeah. you know, there was the, you know, the, t- the, the talk of the stormtrooper revolution um, that I don't know if that was something just created by fans or if it was an idea that was like legitimately thrown around for a while, but something no, like it's that. In, it's in the Colin Trevorrow script. Okay. That's where it is. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that's better about the. Yeah. And so then it's, it's very good about the Colin Trevorrow script anyways, you know? Yeah. That, that felt like a, like a missed opportunity. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like bummed by that, but um, yeah. I, I, I love the idea of, um, getting more Finn stories because I think like I mean like okay if you are leaving <laughs> the story being like Finn being like I'm I'm force sensitive and this was like even addressed in like it was addressed in the Lego holiday special <laughs> of all places mm. where Ray's training Finn and obviously like that's not like canon canon but it's like we're gonna talk about this thing here um, so it's kind of the first and only place it's been talked about. Um, it's like, that's a, that's a pretty big story. That's a huge story. Like yeah. you, you, you don't like set that up and then like not tell it like, and it's more than just a, Hey, that, you know, incident on Ord Mantel, like, okay, you don't need to t- tell that story, but like this one, like it, it feels like you need to tell this story. And like, I want this story because I love this character and I want, Mm -hmm. you know, more of this character. So, yeah, no, I think so. I think, um, I think that it's the kind of thing that would be super satisfying, like down the road, some time in between, you know, the sequels and coming back to these characters, um, to then like come back to a Jedi Finn, you know what I mean? would be like, or, or whatever, like some, some version of that I think would be really, really cool and really satisfying. Um, so that, that'd be awesome. Uh, I think that the, the stormtrooper stuff with Finn in the rise of Skywalker, uh, they probably, 
tried to take a little too subtle of approach to that, I guess you'd say, or like too understated approach to that because it's like, you know, he meets Jana and those other troopers and it's like, oh, you're FN number two, like whatever, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. you know, they work together at the end. You know, he works with like their ride on those orbacks across the storm, the Star Destroyers. And like, it's, Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. see where maybe they were making that and thinking like, yeah, this is the stormtrooper kind of like, this is coming full circle on his stormtrooper story or whatever. And, you know, it kind of guess kind of like literally is, but it doesn't really come across. You don't really feel that a ton in the movie. You know what I mean? It's just like, not probably. Yeah. Just didn't, didn't come across or execute the way, um, as successfully as it could have. And I think a lot of people really wanted that more explicit, like, stormtroopers taking their helmets off and you know finn leading them kind of in a rebellion um or whatever which which i think uh yeah a lot of people would have would have preferred and i think that's cool um but i mean i think it's more than just like it like being understated it's like it like it's all it's that's like part of his story but it's also like part of the story of like the film and the the universe and stuff because like where we kind of leave off at the end of Rise of Skywalker, we're like, okay, so what what happens to all these like stormtroopers and stuff? Like, what what happens to like the First Order and everything? Um, so I think that would have like showed a like more of like a bigger picture direction for yeah. things that I think would have kind of helped. Maybe, maybe I was always a little. Um skeptical that that would work to me on a large scale you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like and that's why i think maybe was was what the 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 thought process was is it's like it's believable that there would be pockets of stormtroopers who would you know kind of change sides or whatever and then like you bring a group of those people together with finn and it's like wow you know there you go there's there's it's like-minded people with a similar goal whatever but the idea that like I mean, because like on Jakku in the opening of The Force Awakens, it's powerful because Finn makes a choice that like the other, you know what I mean, stormtroopers aren't making. And if there's like some moment in episode nine where Finn like and a group of stormtroopers like, you know, they kind of like he's able to lead them forward or whatever, like, okay, that would that could be really cool. But the idea that like that could have like a galaxy wide or like i guess first order wide um Mm -hmm. implication that like somehow he would get every stormtrooper or most stormtroopers to change sides or whatever it seems a little corny to me you know like hard to hard to believe like that that could be a a realistic thing that would happen you know yeah Um, but so is just like not addressing it and just being like the galaxy is at peace now (laughs) well i think that's the end of every star wars like that's the end of return of the jedi too isn't it you know like we blew up this Death Star, and so and and that's like what this Disney era storytelling is like. Well, actually, it wouldn't go that way, would it? But that's yeah. the impression the movies give you at the end. It's the difficulty of like we're ending Episode Nine, and it's supposed to be the end of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But like realistically, it really can't be the end of the whole thing. And also, like even even when you do tell that last story, there's still. I mean, of course, there's a whole millions of people maybe billions in the first order, you know, <laughs> what happens to them? I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, but then, it's a whole. Yeah. But then it's like where they was like the first, I mean, the for, first order was definitely a thing, but like, I mean, they defeated like the final order, mm. but like, mm-hmm. w- is the first order like, cool. We didn't even really know what was going on <laughs> down, down there on Exegol. Like 
that's cool. Palpatine had his like weird thing happening over there. But yeah. like we're still like entrenched in the governments of like all this these planets. Like <laughs> it's you know what? That whole first order final order thing is uh to me it's a very uh ochi of bastoon element of <laughs> the rise of skywalker because it's like best if we don't try to like really figure it out too much you know and i understand that mm-hmm. that's maybe not a good enough <laughs> for a lot of people i'm not saying yeah. that it is but to me specifically i'm like if i really try to figure out how this freaking knife works and ochi why was he following but then left and then you know like mm. It's pretty hard to piece together. Um, so to me, it's like one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, that's uh, kind of a confusing, not super sensical element there. I'll just let it go, you know, but it's not, it's also not like a, the, the first order final order thing is probably worse. Cause that's a, that's a pretty key, like larger scale, larger, like uni- galaxy wide scale question. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's a little tricky. Um, but I, again, I think I would compare it to like Return of the Jedi or something where it's like, so you won this one battle here, but yeah. there's supposed to be an empire like all over, you know, the whole or like if you kill the emperor, you know what I mean? Like then all those stormtroopers just like are like, OK, cool. Never mind. War's over. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's just a it, it I think it usually doesn't pay to really like look into these in a story like this. You know what I mean? It's 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 tough to. Well, I think the expectations were different at, like, just the time of Return of the Jedi. Like, I think that was an ending that could could fly in 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, like, storytelling is different now. And I think Star Wars is different now. Definitely so- true. Definitely true. But then uh, uh, the other side of that, though, too, you know, just is that I think, like, this is one of the problems with trying to tell a story of that huge of a scale you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because like for instance like something like the mandalorian you don't have to worry about that because you're you're just telling a a much smaller scale story or whatever you know what i mean yeah um i don't know like you know in a movie like the avengers or something like it feels like it's a lot easier to probably wrap up ant-man and and have it be Mm -hmm. a successful conclusion versus like you know something that has this giant scope and scale and it's like i i don't know um i think you kind of uh, audience expectations have evolved and probably the way storytellers should, you know, handle that kind of stuff has evolved, um, as you said. But then I think too, there's always just going to be like with real large scale kind of epic, you know, kind of comic book or fantasy style um, storytelling. I think you, you kind of always have to maybe be a little more willing to suspend your disbelief about certain things too, you know, which mm-hmm. maybe 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 it would be true of the stormtrooper kind of uprising that you were talking about, where I said, "Hey, that doesn't really make sense." Like, well, maybe it could, you know, in, in this kind of yeah. storytelling. And I think it just takes like a little thing too, like because weirdly, like I, um, I, I don't know if this is like, um, common or whatever, but like I felt really satisfied at the end of the Last Jedi, even though like it was like, yeah, there's still like a problem, there's still like a big bad out there. But just like the way, I don't know, the way it ended where Mm -hmm. it's just like, they're just like, yeah, this fight's just going to go on forever. But, you know, we got this. Broom Boy's got this. Hmm. You know, like that, I don't know, that felt, um, that, that felt like an, like an okay ending to me. And like, 
for like as far as like the bigger picture goes and i think like the way rise of skywalker ended was good like the end of like ray's story which Mm -hmm. you know i feel that's what the sequel trilogy was um not a connection of nine films but it was it was ray's story um and so like in in that sense it like did end well um but like just to like not have like anything about like i mean it could have just been like a you know like a, a really quick part but yeah to like just like not address the stuff that felt weird Mm, yeah yeah definitely but uh we should for sure move on to bad batch but um, (laughs) absolutely just in terms of the finn thing though with the force Uh sensitivity and all that and Mm -hmm. and you know bringing it back to john boyga's comments and stuff um that really does seem to me like not not trying to like overly be you know rise of skywalker defense force here or anything but it really does seem to me like it's this thing where it's like okay well you were ambiguous about it or, you know, wanted to create the impression. Obviously it didn't really connect with every viewer or whatever. Um, but you wanted to kind of like, again, maybe this is a JJ Abrams thing, but you want to kind of put that question out there, you know, like, is he force sensitive? Isn't he, or isn't he Mm -hmm. whatever. And like walking out of the theater the day after, or the day you see the rise of Skywalker, it might be one of those things where it's like, well, it posed or it kind of asked that question, but didn't answer it. So that's not satisfying. Um, and I have no idea if this is the intention of, you know, JJ or the filmmakers or whatever, but if the goal was like, Hey, we know that this isn't the last time you're going to see Finn and, um, you know, let's put this out there into the world. Like, it seems like he's force sensitive. We don't have time to Mm -hmm. like tell that story in this movie, but like if they come back 10 years from now and there's Finn with a lightsaber being a badass Jedi, like, you know, well, not, I shouldn't say badass Jedi. That sounds (laughs) cheesy, but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) if we get to come back to that story and then actually Uh explore it uh and it's because it was kind of seated in, or not because of, but at least helped by aided by the fact that it was seated in the Red Skywalker. Like not only is that going to be awesome then, but it also is something that's going to kind of make the rise of Skywalker better for a lot of people. I would think, you know, um, or at least if, if that part of the rise of Skywalker wasn't satisfying, Right. I would think that, you know, watching it after seeing that Finn show or whatever would yeah. it would be it wouldn't be a problem anymore, you know? Yeah. And I mean, problems well, would still exist, but like I said, like that is something I absolutely want. And like, I think it's cool that, you know, that was kind of brought up here. And I think that's like something like worth talking about and stuff. It's also really weird to raise a question like that in the film that you've been going off on the promo circuit for, yeah, you know, yeah. six months being like, this is the end of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like, that's definitely, that's definitely, true. I think that's, definitely. that's the problem. And that's what, you know, again, I always say rise of Skywalker became an impossible movie. Um, mm. once they, you know, kept, you know, stacking stuff on, um, but, yeah. uh, yeah, that's that's just where it like doesn't doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I think we've kind of agreed on the fact that like they really shouldn't have either thought of it that way, talked about it that way, set the mm-hmm. expectations for themselves or the audience. Like it didn't need that. It didn't need to be the movie that ends a trilogy and also ends a nine part saga. It just needed to be, you know, the movie that wraps up Ray's story for now. You know what I mean? In the same way that Return of the Jedi wrapped up Luke's story for now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's all it mm-hmm. needed to be. Yeah. So 
All right, cool. That was a lot on the sequel trilogy. But, um, uh, one more thing um, I just want to bring up about this John Boyega interview. Um, okay. it, it's not recent. Um, oh, that, the video is not recent? No, it re- it's a resurfaced clip from a 2020 interview with Jake's Takes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, All right. So, but it still would have been after the... It, it would have been after Rise of Skywalker. Well, I was wondering if it was after the interview he did where he kind of was uh, uh, you know, critical of uh, you know, the process and, and that kind of thing. That Because that's a really interesting question to consider. Yeah. You know I mean? um, yeah, it was from May 1st, 2020. Okay. Well, that that's a that's a pretty important piece of context, Ryan. I'm glad that mm-hmm. you uh mm-hmm. you figured I, that out cuz or look that up. Yeah. yeah. Um Interesting. Yeah, it's mentioned in the e, e, EW um article, so maybe we'll link that one in the show notes. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right, we'll do. And as a link to the full conversation as well. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Cool. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely link that in the show notes. Um, and uh, I'm sure <laughs> the sequel trilogy, John Boyega, Finn, uh, et cetera, will be, uh, you know, something we'll be talking about again here in the future on the I show. I hope so. Attack of the Block, Attack the Block 2. Um, yes. Coming up for him, right? So that's yes. exciting stuff. Have you seen the first one? No, oh. I still haven't seen that. You, no. You're going to love it. I'm like, sure. You, It's incredibly in your wheelhouse you're gonna love it and he is so fantastic in it yeah yeah i need need to see it um you know what's really interesting too is uh the director of that movie joe cornish who Mm -hmm. he's coming back for it as well um i think he made that movie god it just looked like a harry potter ripoff to me like when i saw the kid king the kid who would be king Mm -hmm. i've seen some commentary of this last week or two people saying like oh that movie is actually better than people think and you know it's something that we should you know people should give it give a shot give a try you know mm-hmm. watch whatever have you seen i that? believe it's on disney plus now oh okay have you seen that um i have not hmm. okay yeah it's yeah. like i mean i think it's it's probably really good it's like not totally my thing um yeah, not likely to be something that yeah yeah but like Attack the Block is extremely my thing. I've watched that movie multiple times. It's one of my favorite and favorite movies in the past like couple decades. Cool. So. Bad Batch, episode five, mm-hmm. Rampage. Mm-hmm. Um, man, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I took a few few bullet points as I was watching the episode. Um, mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you did or not, Ryan. You probably yeah, yeah, did, yeah, right? I did. And then we have some uh, we have some comments too from from Dave Hackerson that we'll read through. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, this episode features the Bad Batch going to Ord Mantel, meeting a. 
uh, an associate named Sid who um, kind of gives them a job to do to make some money. They have to uh, capture this bounty. Um, and uh, turns out the bounty is a rancor named Moochie. And uh, they need to deliver it uh, or they don't they just have to deliver it back to Sid. But the uh, the point was to uh, to get that rancor to um, Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. So we see some Bib Fortuna um, towards the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's that kind of story. It's uh, we're going to give you a job. You're going to go do the job. They do the job in the end. Um, that's the kind of episode it was. Uh, I really liked it. I liked it more than the episode from the week before myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what's your uh, global view of this one, Ryan? Did you, um, uh, did you enjoy it or did it continue to kind of... Because last week's episode disappointed you a little bit i think right yeah i i would say i feel about the same um about okay. it uh but i also think like i've kind of leveled my expectations i guess like reassessed my expectations <laughs> for the show and you know the fact that like yep we're we're just going on missions now <laughs> we're we're yeah. just uh just bounty hunters like you know it's uh yeah that's just what the show is and yeah. um you know there's there's like threads of a larger story of course um but like it's not you know it's 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 moving the larger story at a much slower pace um than i had kind of hoped which was a fear as soon as i realized it was 16 episodes um that we've talked about but it's uh you know the Bad Batch strike a deal to take on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> so so Dave's comment on this, Dave wrote, uh, I tend to agree the last couple episodes have fallen into a certain rhythm, but to bring up my analogy of Baroque period music, I feel this is part of the larger structure of the series. In the broader sense of the narrative, we did not learn much. However, there were nice little hints that reminded us the Bad Batch are literally fish out of water, which is a fitting allegory since they were born on an ocean planet. Um, mm. and then he went on to write that, uh, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, he went on to say that Omega is clearly the most wide eyed among the bunch, but the entire group is having to learn on the fly, just like her bartering with spaceport officials to get their ship fixed, scrounging up supplies on their own. And most difficult of all, trying to blend in with the general populace. So, um, yeah, just kind of his, his take on the, on the question of, uh, you know, the types of episodes here and the, and the rhythm um, of the kind of mission based episodes or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think like just my, pro- I got, I don't know, problem, I guess is the best word for it um, with this sort of thing is like, they're just still, they're just not characters that I like enough to mm. like, want to have this like, extended time with i guess Mm -hmm. um over the course of 16 episodes like i really like i think there are some really compelling narrative threads in this series and like i ultimately think you know this series um i i guess like the biggest compliment that i can give the series compared to like how i felt about it when it was announced like I, I I now feel like this series has a reason to exist um, because there are enough compelling threads in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like, I just, 
I just wish it would just be like a six episode series that was like a little more laser focused on those threads. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of it. Like, I think it's, you know, when I look at something like, you know, the most recent series I finished was um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, which was a series I was not terribly excited about when it was announced. And then, you know, I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I, there's, this series has a point. Like there's, you know, there's a story they're telling here. There's, you know, thematic elements that they're, you know, telling here, like, this is cool. You know, it wrapped up in six episodes and I was like, that was, that was really good. Like that worked, even though it wasn't something I was super excited for. It's not. Those aren't like, you know, they're, they aren't like my favorite characters or anything. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, you you did it. Cool. I like, I'm on board. I like that. Awesome. Now, like, you know, I'm, I'm ready for like, what's next kind of thing. But like, this is like, you know, I, and it's just, it's so weird because it's Bad Batch is so like similar to Mandalorian. <laughs> And that's like the, you know, we complained about this in, you know, especially in like season one of Mando, where it's like, oh, Mando's got a mission. He's got to go see see a dude about a thing. And if he but then he's got to do a thing so he can get the thing. (laughs) And um, and yeah, and like, yeah, it just it's still just like not really working for me. Gotcha. You know, you you mentioned the characters. Uh, what's interesting to me at this point is I think that uh, Echo and Hunter are, I don't want to see my least favorite, but like I'm, I'm the least interested in them. And mm. it's just funny because like they're the least cartoonish, like the least broad, I guess you'd say, or kind of like uh, their archetype is, is, is less like kind of pushed or heightened or whatever. Mm. Um but like now I like kind of really like like Wrecker and Tech. Um, those are wait, like, wait, can you say that again? <laughs> yep. Yep. I like Wrecker and Tech. Like, like I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, hmm. I, I don't, I don't dislike um, Echo or, uh, or Hunter. Like uh, Hunter's fine. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But I just feel like there's not, I don't know, like the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, you know, like there's some complexity there. He's, I just find mm-hmm. him interesting and stuff. And mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter's okay, but it's just he's uh, no kind of he's like Leonardo. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people just don't like Leonardo <laughs> as a character because it's just like real plain good guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just get that a little bit. Like if Leonardo was uh, Charlie Sheen kind of thing, you know? Um, so uh-huh. okay, I, don't know. I mean, I, I like I said, I don't dislike him, but I'm just surprised yeah. that like I, I hated Wrecker, and now I'm kind of like, oh man, when Wrecker comes on screen, it's, it's sort of a bright point. You know what I mean? Um, of course, Omega is you know Omega's great, like but that's yeah. of the, of the original bad batch or whatever. It's like the ones I thought were going to annoy me the more, the most or whatever are the ones that I'm actually kind of starting to like more. Huh? So that's a clear uh, schism here on the show, like a difference of opinion with us. Cause I know you, still, yeah, uh, not a big record guy. Right. And you never like tech. No, I, I feel like, you know, I'm still kind of at the same place. I would agree that, I mean, Hunter is extremely bland. Um, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Echo, I think, I think Echo has the most interesting story of all of them, but they don't like lean into it at all. 
like he's just like, hey, use your robot arm to do this thing so we can get this thing to take to this person to get the other thing. Um, like he, they don't actually lean into that story at all. So it's like, well, he's just another bland dude here. Um, and then I still just like hate the archetypes of tech and wrecker. Yeah. Now, so when they're, when they, they get to order Montel and there's, uh, these slaves that they, they, uh, are like a, a sort of slaves and slavers and, uh, they think their bounty is this kid, um, that they're going to rescue, but it turns out the bounty is a kid rancor. Um, but the, the group of people, the kid, um, and the father, is that a, like a preteen Shizor character? Like, is that, is that <laughs> the Shizor species? Did you get that? It's feeling? yeah, it seemed to be, um, okay. yeah. What is the name of that species? Um, no, um, Faline. Okay. Yeah. And cause we saw one, um a falling in season seven of clone wars yeah 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 yeah. um and that's a known character i just don't know who it is uh yeah yeah because i remember being like oh my god was that shizor you know and then the internet uh, corrected me on that so um but a place where my instincts were correct ryan this with this episode is i watched it and i was like man sid gave me big um rhea perlman vibes uh, but like, I'm so dumb. Like I, <laughs> I watched the episode, I got to the end, the credit started and I was like, okay, I'll turn this off now. And then like, for real, like two minutes after I turned off the episode, I started wondering aloud to myself, like, was, could that have been Rhea Perlman? Would, was that Rhea Perlman? <laughs> so then I went and went to like the Bad Batch. I went to the episode IMDB page to see if she was listed there. I Googled like, Rhea Perlman, Star Wars, you know, like I started doing all these things to find out if that was the voice or not. Mm-hmm. When like, I could have just looked at the credits on the television program that I just got done watching. You know what I mean? I don't know why that, like, I never thought to just like, oh, just let open the episode up again and watch the credits and see who voices Sid, you know? Um, so uh, luckily, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I tweeted about it and uh, Blast Points was like, nope, uh, your instinct was right. That was... Uh, that was Rhea Perlman. So I felt, uh, felt dumb, but then also felt good. Cause like I figured it out. You know what I mean? My instincts were correct. Yeah. I definitely didn't, um, think about that or catch it, but now that I know it, that's like something I'm happy to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, n- I could... never recognize voice actors though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so bad at it. Um, Lindsay's always like when we're watching like any, like or like playing a game and there's you know she's like oh that's this person from whatever show or it's like this actor or like this person from critical role or whatever and i'm like well uh, that's i just see like the character (laughs) like that's just that's just their voice (laughs) like i'm so bad at it so that's interesting yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. I think Sid could be a returning character. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Like, it probably yeah. wouldn't do any favors for you if that's the case, Ryan, because it will probably, uh, if, 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 if she is a returning character, it will probably um, be settling into that kind of mission based episodic <laughs> storytelling or whatever. She, she can be the Amy Sedaris of. <laughs> yeah. This, well, that's a one, once a season type thing. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like they might be coming back to her. I, I bet not this week, but maybe a couple episodes they'll come back to see yeah Yeah, i mean that's that's what the show is like it's like i I can't like will it into being something it's not by (laughs) 
like not yeah. liking it. So it's just, I think like the more I just kind of accept it and kind of roll with it, like the yeah. less uh, stress it will be. It's the same kind of way with resistance where I was like, yeah. whoa, this is set between, you know, episode seven and episode eight. Like this is going to be so intense. And whoa, this kid, like his, his family might've been on Hosnian prime. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be so intense. And it's like, Oh, he tripped on a bucket and then yeah. a mop fell on his head. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm going to be the sure. fastest in the galaxy. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like it's no, fine. Just accept that's it. True. Um, I loved the, uh, the Omega having the wrist com gag that they kept doing. Like, I thought that was so fun and just, uh, I don't know. I thought that was great. I, I love Omega. Mm-hmm. I love her kind of wide eyed. Yeah. You know, it was like they, she'd be off screen for a while. And then like her next line would be coming up on their comms and then they'd like do a cut to her standing two feet away. I, I just thought it was fun. So, um, I like that. Uh, one of the things we've both been asking for ever since we knew the bad batch was going to be a thing was wrecker fighting an adolescent or juvenile rancor. And mm-hmm. this episode delivered on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he big also win, can big win there. Yeah. He also can just like, I guess like if you chain him up, he'll just be chained up for a while until he feels like breaking his chains and then he'll just do that. So, um, that happened. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, why but, was that uh, a rescue mission? Why didn't you just do that from the start there? Yeah. Uh, maybe he needed uh-huh. the uh, diversion to keep You're, the right. uh, guards right. uh, so they weren't paying attention. Um, and then one thing I thought that was interesting that the show brought up, uh, I don't have the line written down because there's a line that one of the Bad Batch says that really kind of like highlights this concept. But, um, you know, they talk about like slavery and they talk about how like the slaves are basically like forced against their will to serve some other cause or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, And I was mm -hmm. just like, Oh yeah. Um, that's you guys too. You know what I mean? You were just like created to, (laughs) to, uh, you know, be forced to fight in this war and serve this, you know, larger group or whatever. And you don't have any say in it. And, uh, it didn't seem like that, that, that connection really dawned on the characters themselves. But I think obviously the, uh, the show was trying to make that comparison for the audience. So, um, I'm sure that's something that they'll they'll wrestle with a little more going forward. I hope so. That's like a really interesting um, theme for sure. Yeah. Something to explore. Like I hope they yeah. do uh, kind of go into that more. Uh, a couple more comments from Dave here. Um, he wrote, with each episode, I find my eyes searching the tapestry in the background, trying to find clues as to how the galaxy is changing. The arrival of the Cologne Battalion on Pantora was a reminder the Republic has gone, and with it, the individuality of most of the clone troopers, a theme that we've seen repeated thus far. In the wake of Order 66, the only clone unit we've seen with coloration in their uniforms is the Coruscant Guard. Indeed, the last time we have seen the faces of any clones was in the mess hall on Camino. Ever since then, the clones have mm-hmm. been faceless, hidden beneath helmets, their white uniforms devoid of the character they once had. Echo's remark to Omega about it depends on which side you're on spoke volumes to me. It revealed the Bad Batch now view themselves as opposed to the aims of the new regime and such and as such, their lives have become much more difficult. On a grander scale, it was prophetic musing on how that dynamic is going to play out going forward. And we know how that conflict ultimately erupts. Um, In response to some of our uh, discussion last week, Dave says about Fennec, 
Um, the simplest explanation is that she was hired by the Kaminoans to retrieve their prized asset. They're mm. looking out for their own interests, and I would not be surprised to see them try to go under the Empire's radar and make sure those interests are met. However, they realize that window of opportunity is quickly disappearing as the Empire tightens its grip. If they can enlist the services of someone like Django Fett, I'm sure they have their contacts that have could, uh, could have introduced them to Fennec. So that's that's pretty logical. That makes a lot of sense yeah. that... Uh, that would be the Kaminoans. I think, um, you know, a little bit back to our conversation about the sequel trilogy, just as an audience member, I'm thinking like there's going to be some big reveal or whatever, you know, some surprise that, uh, some surprise connection with Fennec. Um, but maybe it just makes more sense for it to be the Kaminoans who hired her. Yeah. I guess the only, the only counter argument I would have to that though, is like why set it up as, unclear who she's working for um if it's the kaminoans that it's ultimately going to be you know what i mean um so i don't know yeah and i think that's kind of going back to jj's comment about like the inevitable (laughs) um Uh you know that to me feels like the inevitable answer here and i think it's like when we're when we were speculating at the end of mandalorian um season two and you know some of us weirdos were like the jedi who's coming there's gonna be a jedi come who comes and it's gonna be it's gonna be cal kestis or it's gonna be ezra bridger and you were like no it's going to be luke skywalker like and then Sure enough, it was Luke Skywalker. And, you know, and I think like sometimes I think in Star Wars, like we get caught up in this, like, what's the biggest, craziest surprise that, you know, we could we could have. I mean, even like I'm so guilty of this because like, (laughs) um, you know, in in that that sketchy episode of Mando season one where there is like the boots and people are like oh that's boba fett and like no way is that mm-hmm. boba fett like it's got to be dash rendar <laughs> like or some someone else ridiculous um and you know it's like the the simplest answer is usually like the one and so like i think it's entirely possible that like you know for this instance like um yeah it, it is the kaminoans because that's the story that they're setting up I think um, it's possible and even the most likely and, and probably is the answer. Um, mm-hmm. But I think with your, with your comparison to Mandalorian, when it's like, oh, okay, well, Luke Skywalker was the most obvious answer um, or even Boba Fett, like Boba Fett's the most obvious answer in both cases, like keeping it maybe even mysterious isn't the right word, but not revealing that until they did like built to this moment of audience audience satisfaction but mm. the Kaminoans are all over the place in this show. You know what I mean? Like we, we see them already. We know, like we see shots of the Kaminoans on their own with no other characters around privately discussing their feelings about the empire. You know what I mean? And this whole situation. So like, if it's like, Oh, well we don't know who Fennec is working for. And then it is revealed that it's them. Um, that'll be fine. And there's no, nothing wrong with that. But it's, to me, it's a little different because it's, it's like if we'd seen Luke Skywalker all throughout the Mandalorian, you know what I mean? He was like a character in the mm. show, but then they also yeah. kept it a secret who was going to show up at the end. And then it was like, 
oh yeah, it's the character we've been hanging out with. Like that wouldn't actually do anything. You know what I mean? So that's why I question like, okay, if it's the Kaminoans and that's who Fennec is working for, why not just make that clear from the outset? Because otherwise you set up a question with an ultimately like just serviceable answer that doesn't like the question didn't need to be asked in the first place. You could have just made it clear. It's Django. I mean, it's Fennec and, and uh, the Kaminoans, you know what I mean? So that's why I wonder now I'm just thinking aloud through this. Maybe the reason they did it that way is because the bad batch don't know who it is. Um, and so, you know, they want us to be kind of limited, you know, a kind of limited point of view or whatever. We only know what the bad batch know. Yeah. And they, but they that's not may... even true. Cause we, the Kaminoans have these private conversations that the Bad Batch wouldn't be privy to, so I don't know. Right, but I think, like, maybe they're just not ready to roll out that story yet. Like, uh, yeah, like, they're they're going to get to it, and they're going to, you know, talk about it, but, like, now is not the time, because the Bad Batch have, have a mission. <laughs> we, can't, yeah. we, can't, we can't move this story forward, like, whoa, slow down there. <laughs> We gotta go. Uh, gotta go free this rancor for Jabba. Yeah, true, true. The the real story of the okay. Bad Batch. Uh, yeah, and okay. So last thing here from from Dave um, is mm-hmm. something that I think you're gonna probably <laughs> be able to respond to better than me. Mm-hmm. But he 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 mentions that there are a lot of elements of um, this episode Rampage that remind him of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and writes that the crew on the bebop often took jobs that put them way in over their heads and it would take their collective smarts to tackle them uh, omega may not be the crazy eccentric that computer hacker whiz kid ed was in that show but in this episode she showed she can be a great asset to the team just as ed was to the bebop crew uh, dave wonders if sid is going to be the regular informant for the bad batch uh, hooking them up with jobs um and uh, jobs that get them the credits to continue their quest to discover why Omega is such a prized asset. This gimmick would be similar to the Doctor and Cowboy Bebop, who gives the Bebop crew inside info they need on the bounties they pursue. On the grander scale, the backdrop to each of these jobs and locales visited will continue to provide us with insight into how the transition into the Empire is affected. Just like the Bad Batch, we as an audience are trying to understand all that is transpiring in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm, I assume you're familiar with Cowboy Bebop, Ryan. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've I've seen it. This all checks out. Yeah, I think uh, Cowboy Bebop is like an example of um, you know a uh, ragtag crew going on missions, just trying to survive in the galaxy. Um, done uh, really well um, and with a lot of style and. Uh, they also had a Welsh Corgi on their team, uh, who is fantastic. His name's Ein. Real good. Um, that must be a thing in Japanese stories. Cause, um, I played that vampire video game, uh, last year, I think. And, uh, wasn't the character like a Corgi in a robot costume or robot, like a mech or something. The vampire game. Uh, the bloodstained, um, the, oh, the, the side-scrolling bloodstained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um, Welsh corgis are really, really good. So, yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's a cool connection. I think uh, Cowboy Bebop did it way better. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This is now an anime podcast. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah. No, it's a it's a cool connection. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, Well, uh, very good. Thanks to Dave for sending in all those uh, those comments and uh, bringing up some interesting points on the Bad Batch for sure. Um, I do have I do have a bone to pick with Dave, though, and I'm sorry he's not here to defend himself on this. But when he was on here talking about um, what was it? Bad Batch episode specifically three. Right. Yeah. Um, When he was on here, which you can uh, check out that episode in our feed. It was a great combo. Um, One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, he mentioned that he felt that Wrecker faked his headache um, in order to stay behind and make up the the room for Omega. Um, I don't think that's accurate at this point. Um, I think that like that explanation made sense at the time, but he uh, he had another headache mm. in this episode. The headaches are yeah. happening. So that's going somewhere. Yeah. It's going somewhere. Okay. And uh, right. I don't know. Are are you are John, are you emotionally prepared for your new favorite Star Wars character to possibly have a heel turn? No. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, okay. I, I'm yeah, we'll we'll see what they do with that. Um that'll be interesting. If it's like a episode long heel turn, sure. You know what I mean? Which is, I think, something that happens in Saturday morning storytelling. You know what I mean? Cartoon storytelling. You might have a character like totally change gears for an episode or two because they're under the control of some other power or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't need a second. It's like weekly in comic books. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need a second Bad Batch character to turn bad um, when we already have the crosshair thing happening. Um without you know what i mean like it's kind of like a something looming over the show but not not something they're really addressing i mean like there's little references to it here and there but that's not something they're really addressing like on a week-to-week basis so mm-hmm. um that feels like a thread that needs to be addressed at some point and um uh, yeah i guess i think that story that ball's already rolling right that story's already in play so mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i don't really want to see that with uh with wrecker but uh, I, I think they're going to be doing something interesting with that chip in his head for sure um, that they're working toward. I, I want to throw something out here. I know we're wrapping up, but yep. something I was actually like when I was watching this episode, I was thinking like something that would be kind of interesting that I don't think people would like and maybe isn't appropriate for Star Wars or whatever. But um, if if the chips just activated in all of them just at different times and like by the end of the series, they were, they had all kind of fallen back in line with the empire. That would be, that would be bold. That would definitely be bold. Um, yeah, I can't see them doing that, but that would certainly be interesting. Yeah. It could be a pretty powerful and interesting, like, you know, just thematically, like there's yeah. there's a lot a lot with that. Yeah, that would be compelling. Absolutely. Um, hmm. Okay. I don't well, think it's be, likely, I'm, but no. I'll be looking for hints of that, though. Um, yeah. So yeah, 
Okay. Interesting. Uh, hey, Ryan, before we completely wrap up the show, though, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I thought uh, you should mention, because you've put up a couple of blog posts on uh, blockaderunnerpodcast.com mm. in the last week or so. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe you could just uh, real quick mention those those posts that you've been making on the on the site. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like work is wrapping up for uh, both of us um, right now. Uh, things are getting a little more chill. I have a little bit of extra free time. So, um, you know, I, I am trying to do a little more writing um, on on the side. And my, uh, my vehicle is our blog. <laughs> and it's about Star Wars because I'm mostly thinking about Star Wars anyways. So, um, yeah, I put up, uh, I bought a lot of um star wars magazines it's like uh insider and galaxy issues um just a random lot off ebay uh and i've been just reading through those and it's been super fun um and i posted about a couple issues of the galaxy magazine because that was one i was never uh picking up back in the day um but it's uh it's it's really cool it's really kind of like a product of its time uh very like mid-90s like comic collector culture uh, in there. So uh, that was really fun. And then I also um, have been replaying uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, um, kind of revisiting that for the first time um, since its release. And, uh, you know, the the ridiculous stuff is still there, but there's also um, some stuff that I... I really like, and I think not having the burden of it being canon anymore, um, you know, makes even some of the most, you know, absurd stuff kind of go down a little easier. And I'm like really able to pull out a lot of stuff that I like and finding just some like really interesting connections with the Star Wars that has come after it and where things have been, you know, where connections are made and things are borrowed. Um, so I wrote a little article um, about that and uh, probably going to do a little more on Force Unleashed this summer. So Nice. Um, yeah, I've just, uh, I need to check on Steam and see if I, if I own that game or not. Um, I guess I could get it on Xbox too, right? That's but, uh, how I've been playing. Um, they, uh, they updated it for uh, backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so it like runs super smoothly and, uh, looks really sharp, hmm, okay. um, on, on Xbox one X and series X. So I would say that's probably the way to play it if you don't, cause you don't have like a super hardcore gaming PC or anything. Right. I, I don't, but I think my laptop would probably, uh, handle it pretty well at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just was like, well, if I already own it on uh, Steam, maybe I'll play it there. But, but yeah. if not, then maybe I'd buy it on Xbox. So you you can buy like disc copies of it on like any platform um, for pretty 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 cheap. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, I've been scooping up some of those as well on the other platforms. Uh, DS version is wild. Do you own it on Steam? I do own it on Steam. Yeah. Well, just uh, install it on your Mac for me, Ryan. Run it on your on your Mac and tell me how it runs because it should run equivalent on mine. So mm. um, just go through okay. all those steps. I haven't for me, I haven't put would, it and, on uh, on on my 
I haven't. Put I'm kidding. Steam you don't. You don't have to do that. You yeah, don't have to. I, do I, I, I wasn't I going to. Um, <laughs> just just buy it on Xbox. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, uh, DS version. That's uh, that's. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Ooh. Now, what does that go for though? That's probably expensive these days. No, I got a shipped complete copy of it for like eight bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm, maybe I should get that. <laughs> There's definitely a conversation to be had. Uh, I mean, it's it's a mess, but um, it's in, it's an interesting mess, as Star Wars messes tend to be. It's 3D. Is it 3D? It is 3D. Oh, okay. <laughs> 3D in complete touchscreen controls. Oh, good. You you maneuver with the D-pad, but all your attacks are using the touchscreen. Oh, it's weird. I'm sure that's flawless. Um, uh huh. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, very good. Um, I think we better wrap up the show uh, there. Yeah. It's a long one. So, um, yeah. Sorry, you're much. welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, not sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for listen- listening. Um, if you're still here, <laughs> and uh, mm. we uh, we'll be back soon with another episode of the show. Until then. Um, you can find everything we do, including Ryan's uh, recent blog posts and our recent episode 181 with uh, with Dave. You can find all of that and more at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. If mm-hmm. you want to reach out and uh, share your thoughts on any of these uh, topics broached today or other Star Wars musings, um, you could follow the show on Twitter and uh, message us there um, at Blockade Run or email the show um, blockade runner podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan specifically if you want to chat uh, Star Wars Galaxies magazine or uh, Force <laughs> Unleashed is uh, or Ryan, Star Wars Galaxies the MMO yes we, we can talk about that too uh, yeah. yeah you can find me at Viamala V-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y on Twitter all right. all right right on so thank you very much for listening we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast We are all the Republic.